Hello. Hello, everyone. Emilio Garcia here on our second episode of Boundable Live. Hi, everyone. How are you, Donald? Good seeing you. Great. And this time I am also streaming. I'm testing this um, streaming from, I'm streaming from not only Zoom, but also from YouTube. So let's see how that works out. And I will start right away. Today we have today we have two topics that I want, I want to cover for this session. We are going to explore. Leonardo is there too. Hi, Leo. How are you? Hi. Again, we are today. We are exploring a couple of um, topics, and the two of them are going to be sales and marketing alignment, and the second one is going to be the basic components of advertising campaign. How do you identify them and what's important about them? Without further ado, let us start with the first one. So what about marketing and sales? This is a very interesting topic. In general, what I have seen so far in some of the companies, you can uh, run into one of these typical scenarios. For example, you have a marketing team, it might be one person that is doing the job or a larger team, two or three people doing the marketing, and you have a sales team. Again, it can be just one person or it can be a larger group, two or three sales reps that work on closing and on those accounts. So usually what I have seen on B2B, especially in more traditional companies, is that the role of marketing is almost solely focus on creating collateral material, on helping to create documents and branding material for the client, but they are not that involved into um, what sales is doing. And what happens on the other side, very similarly, is that sales is very focused on the process of prospecting and closing deals but he's not really aware of any marketing initiatives happening right now or right away. And that's a typical scenario. It's not that they are enemies. It's just that they usually do not work together. They simply, each department do their own stuff. And those create interesting things. For example, usually what happens on the sales side is that they don't consider whatever marketing is doing as something that might help them to bring more business or revenue. They usually consider that the contacts that they have on their own and the process that they follow, it's what brings most of their revenue. And if marketing is doing something, they consider that effort as a second priority. It's not the first one. From the marketing side, what happens is either they are really focusing on creating collateral material, but not working on understanding what the current prospects want, or if they are doing any effort, they complain about marketing not being aligned with sales in, in the sense of we are sending leads or we are sending potential opportunities, but marketing, but sales is not working on, on them. It's not um, providing any follow-up on those leads. And that's something that we have found time and time again. And that misalignment uh, creates those problems in that sales continuously critique 
or complaints about the work for marketing because it's bringing unqualified leads or not enough leads or not relevant leads and marketing complaining about not knowing what happens with the leads that they're sending to sales. And that's the heart of the misalignment uh, problem that some companies might have. How do I think you solve that on the long run? You have, or, or the company or the organization have to have to find a common ground on the definition of qualified leads, because that is pretty much the, the heart of the problem. And what I mean by that is that what marketing usually calls a marketing uh, qualified lead usually is different from what sales consider is marketing or a sales qualified lead. Some examples might be, for example, marketing might consider that leads are any person that requests a demo or requests a conversation with sales through the a website or anyone that visits or enters into a webinar or any other kind of event that marketing is working on. And for sales, they might have a different view because they might say, I don't think those leads are ready for us because for starters, I don't know if the contact or the person comes from the right company, the right kind of market that I want to focus on. And for seconds is, even if it's the right company, I don't know if the person that marketing is sending me is the right prospect. Might not be the decision maker. It might not have the budget. It might not have the need or we simply do not offer the product or service that person has in mind. So what's missing in between the two areas, it's a qualification criteria. And that's what creates this perception from marketing that sales do not take care of those leads and the perception from sales that marketing is not sending something relevant to them. So one thing that we have recommended for our clients time and time again, when they have these dysfunctional teams between marketing and sales is to start up a series of conversations or meetings where they define together what is a qualified lead. And there are two components to that. You have the ideal client profile, which is the type of client that you want to sell. That usually comes from sales. The, the criteria that usually you want to define on that ideal client profile can be one of the most common ones is the geography, where my potential clients are. That's one criteria that sales usually defines based on business goals and business objectives. The second one will be the kind of industries that you want to tackle or work toward. It can be education, can be healthcare, hospitality. It's usually not the whole market, and that's important to define. Once you have the industry, usually another criteria that sells layer on top of those is the company size. You might service a small business or you might service large business. And that's important to know too. And beyond that, then you have secondary criteria. One, because usually size relates to the revenue of the company or how big it is. But second criteria can be related to the type of clients that your potential client has or the technology that, that they use or any particular thing that matters to your product or service. But those kind of like reference points, the placement, 
the industry, the size of the company is usually what you will describe as the ideal client profile. Usually, and that's the reason they call it ideal client profile is because those profiles come from the, the clients where you have had the most success, where you have been more successful. And that's great for the type of company. But on top of that, you have to lay it up, laid up the something called the buyer persona, which is within that organization, what kind of person is the buyer? It can be more than one. So typically in B2B, you have the, you have the one role, at least that is the, the person that makes the purchase, but there are many other roles that can influence the purchase. There can be a, a sponsor or champion that helps the decision maker or that guides them through the buying process. There can be influencers, pe- uh, people or persons that might not necessarily make the decision, but are going to use the product or service at the end. And they have a say on that. So usually, uh, especially on larger companies, there is a kind of committee that you want to influence. And that's very relevant to marketing to know, because when they are doing content, when they are doing advertising, they want to tailor the, the content that they create to the kind of buyer. So those two big criteria are the ones that have to be aligned between marketing and sales. And they usually do it through a process called defining SQL, SLA, um, or service level agreement. And in the sense that you have have a definition from sales that marketing collaborate or agree on. And the agreement will be, we will only send leads to sales if the leads that we are getting from the website or from the any other marketing effort that we are doing match the criteria that we have defined together, right? It got to be from the right industries. It got to be from the right company size. It has to be from the right kind of buyers and they need to have some intent on purchase. So that will be like the, the agreement from the marketing side, but in exchange, Sales has to make a commitment too, which is to follow up on those leads. Those are that marketing consider qualified. And those agreements usually go in, in the form of time that it will take for the sales team to have a conversation with, with the lead. And also the how many times they will in, try to have those conversations before giving up and sending back the lead to marketing. So those usually are the two criteria. It's not a process that it's not a process that starts ends in one day or one week. It's an ongoing process and evolves over time, but it's usually a good starting point. And what happened over time is that the two teams start to align together towards the business goals of revenue. And um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Uh, the, the dog here and eventually they align themselves and they become more efficient so i don't know leo if you you have any comments on that um probably that there's always probably a debate between marketing and sales and as you mentioned it's a process that uh, companies need to establish and need to get used to it uh, marketing is going to qualify the the, the leads and then sales are going to say, hey, I'm not selling, 
because marketing is not sending me the right leads. And, and marketing is going to say, uh, hey, you are not selling because you are not being able to close the deal. But if, if the organization can really polish and make this process very smoothly between both organizations, I think there's going to uh, be a lot of sales for for the team, for the company. In those cases where uh, you can send to, to the salespeople the right, the right leads, then the follow-up and probably the, the statistics, and that's one of the advantages to use this kind of systems because you can find exactly what happens with the opportunity since its birth until it's close or death. And in the whole path, you can know exactly what's going on with that opportunity. And that post-mortem analysis that you can make with this kind of with this kind of the statistics is very useful to the to the sales to the marketing people in order to obtain the set, the, the goal that it's the same for both of organizations that it's growing the business that's the same goal for both of us. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't know if in this case, Don, Don, you have or Donald, you have a, a, a question or a comment on that. If you have experience some of those uh, phenomenons on your company, that there might be some misalignment between what the market wants and what the sales team wants. I know it's a smaller organization, probably uh, there's more alignment, but, but it's something to look upon is to make sure that all the time to make sure that whatever you are trying to sell to is the same, is the same crowd that you're marketing to. I think you're muted. There you go. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah, the first thing I do on a sales call is always find out what are they doing today or what are they using today? Just in our business, if they're trying to, and and you, I, I think you can help marketing by defining that. Let's say we're using, and again, in our business, a particular type of trash compactor that I know very well. I know the knockoff. So you first find out what they're doing. I don't know how you incorporate that in marketing, but it could be by a product. What products are, are, or what companies are using such and such a product that you're much superior, your product is superior. Yes, it and it's a really tough. It's a really great question because what I have seen, what I have seen on on some companies is that there is this lead scoring or lead qualification process in the middle. Obviously, probably you don't have it because you, you do it yourself. But when you have larger organizations, actually, that's the role of something that on larger teams evolved into what is called the BDR or the SER, right? The the cell, the business developer represent, representative, which is not a closer, is not someone that closed the business, but discover the particular things that make a prospect a good opportunity for sales. And they make those questions. They try to understand the need. And if they see potential, they, then they pass along that lead to a sales rep that you, usually will do the closing very well. And that's what I have on that topic today. And the other one that I want to cover, unless you know, there's any other topic you want to cover here today, is the components of, of advertising campaign. I like to discuss this topic usually because it helps 
our clients and prospects to understand how campaigns are made of or what they, they have um, in common. I will use here an example too. But in general, for an advertising campaign, you have three big elements. I call them the offer, the audience, and the message. And it doesn't matter if you're doing a campaign on search or on social, or if it's in a platform like LinkedIn or, or Facebook, you will always have those three elements. Most people is very aware of the message, uh, which usually is the ad itself, but they pay less attention to what is the offer and, what, and, and even less to the audience. So I will use an example with that to illustrate it with our own company. We have, I have a campaign that I run just for like demonstration purposes on Google. And we have something similar on Facebook. And you can see here the, what I call the landing page. It's a landing page. It's just a page where you have a form and you express the value of what you want to do. Usually on a campaign, the offer is something like this. It doesn't have to be a landing page. It can be just a website. And, and I usually, for example, sometimes I just send people directly to the website to start talking. But the important thing here is to notice what is that you are actually asking the visitor or the prospector to do, the prospect to do. In this case, for example, my offer is let us have a conversation. That is what I'm offering here, my time for someone that is interested in discover if they, they want to uh, have a conversation with a marketing agency, in this case, for a, a B2B demand generation agency. And, and, and for every single company, the offer is going to be different, but usually it's expressed on a page that has a call to action, right? I'm either going to talk or quote or work on a proposal or understand your need, or in some cases for B2C, actually I'm going to ask you to purchase something. It can be a product or a service that you can purchase right away on the website. So this is the offer portion. Uh, then, can, we, uh, can, can, can we stop a little bit there, Emilio? Because I found probably I understood wrong the concern of Donald that he was saying that probably in the market, he knows his product is the best, but he was asking how to communicate that to the market. So that's probably the main message you are talking about. Probably uh, which one is that message that Donald is trying to push to the market in order to get leads? Yes. Oh, that's a great, that's a great question. And thank you for helping me clarify that, Leo. But it's right. Is one way that you can express to your audience what are the, the differentiators or what makes your product difference is through the offer and the message. So usually on the offer, you express either what are the benefits of what your product do or what sets you apart, what makes you different from the competition. And a great place to do that is in the offer. And the other way or the other place that you do that is on the message itself. And, and you'll see the difference here. For example, in order for me to show this offer, let, let us talk uh, about your needs. I need a message. And that message is the ad itself. For example, I will use this one for reference. And I will just expand it.
This is usually what people will call the ad. The ad or the message is what grabs people's attention so they can discover more in the offer. And this is the middle of it, right? In this case, you have some headlines and you have some description. And again, it's trying to convey or to ask for a person to understand better their problems. In this case, usually for our clients, their struggle is growth. They want to grow better, faster, and they want to bring revenue. They want to bring qualified leads. And we know that we can do that through our services, which are related to paid advertising and inbound marketing. But the concern of the client is growth. And that's what we try to explain on express on the message or the app. And the three component, the last component of the of any campaign will be the audience. And it's very interesting that, for example, for search, the way that you define the audience is what they are searching for. The keywords that they're using to find you. So you have those three elements there. The audience on search is going to be the keywords that you use for uh, people to find you. The audience on social media is going to be very similar to the concept that we have on our mind, which is where people is and these ideas about the size of the company and uh, industry and uh, business title or function of the prospect or lead. But, and it's gonna be different on search, But beyond that, the other two components are pretty much the same. The only difference is that the message on social is going to be more image video. uh, It's going to be more visual than on search where you basically have just text. And usually the offer looks pretty much the same because it's just a page. So these are the three elements that you have for a campaign. And the, the one thing that I have seen many times is that when, especially when clients are doing these campaigns by their own, they will focus a lot on the message itself, right? On, the, on what you said. But sometimes they will miss the opportunity to really see if they are matching their audience to the right offer. I'm going to put a very different example here. Imagine that you're selling houses of $1 million of value and you have this piece of mail that you're going to send to people or an audience that is not in the market for that kind of house, or I will use an even higher number. Imagine $10 million houses on a private island or something like that. Your, your message, your ad can be the best in the world. You can have the best visuals, the best images, but if you are sending that piece of mail to people that it has a budget for a house on the hundreds of thousands and not on the tens of millions, it doesn't matter what your advertising said, they're they're probably not going to even inquire about the offer. So spending time matching your audience to your offer is the most important thing that you have to do on a campaign. Once you have those two elements a match together, properly defined, then it's not that the ad is not important. The message, if you have a more enticing one, that will be better, but, but everything will roll easier for you. 
like for example, in our case, we in theory can try to go for people that is looking, I don't know, for example, marketing agencies in general, or another good example would be uh, people that is looking for help on B2C, for example, on e-commerce, but not for businesses. And we can justify showing up for those by saying, if someone is looking for a marketing agency, we do marketing services. So we will have something for them. But that is too broad of a, of a message. It's catering to a very large population. Even if you say just marketing agency or not advertising, but public relationship agency, for example, is completely different from what we do. And this is very specific to us. So if you make sure that you understand what is the narrowest that you can go with your audience? If I was selecting people on, on social media, then I will make sure to know that my company size has to be of a minimum, but it cannot be too large neither because then they have such big marketing teams that they might not need our help. If you work out very narrow your audience, then your offer will make sense to them. And then you can work on an, a message that will resonate with them and help them out quite easily. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. I don't know, Leo, in your experience, if you have had cases where you have seen both, like the offer is completely misaligned with the audience and yeah, cases where they are really aligned together. Yeah, of course, that happens all the time. And that happens uh, spe specifically when you're starting to understand how the digital marketing works. It does happen all the time. The good news is that you can uh, make this mistake and the, the same tool will help you. The, the Google Ads it will help you that you are being successful with this kind of audience. So you should focus on this kind of audience and you are not being successful with the other kind of audience that you probably thought it would be successful. So in that case, you would be, uh, you would have other opportunities to make this uh, narrowness that you were mentioned, to be very clever and really target the right audience in order for you to, sometimes when you're, when you're designing uh, the, the campaign, what happens, you say, hey, for example, you were putting an example of, a, of if you're selling a, a mansion of $1 million, a house of $1 million, Hey, you need to go to the upper neighborhoods, to the people that has these characteristics. But sometimes in your mind, you say, hey, what if there's one possible buyer that lives in these very poor neighborhoods, so I, wa I want to go there? Oh, yes, it is possible that it's going to be a buyer there, but the probability is less, and you're spending a lot of money to make that bet. It's like a bet, right? It's like yes. a bet. You need to go to the more probabilistic bet. That's the way you win. That's the way you make your dollars count. Yeah. And, and it's a very common mistake that we all do. And going to your questions, yes, I have seen it all the time. And, and the good news is that you can make corrections. You can make corrections. I, that, that you're mentioning remind me of an example that I, I experienced many years ago. We had this client that was selling, it happens that we were starting out, they were selling products for babies. So their audience was pretty much young mothers. And, and we had a very narrow audience and the product was specifically designed for infants. It was 
it was something that only small children can use. But in the mind of the owner, she said, maybe there's a grandmother or grandfather that wants to give this product to their grandchildren, which makes sense. As you said, is it is possible. You might have a child there, but the bulk of the purchases are going to come from young mothers. They have small children, not from, because if you go by that logic, then you can always say, I can go also for um, a mom that has a teenager because they might have a a, a niece, yes, or a friend that might be interested, which is, is true. That happens. There's a little bit of spillover on advertising, but when your when your budget is limited, or when you want to discover faster if you're going to be successful, you want to start with your target market and then let the market expand upon what you already have, and not the other way around. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's all the only honestly the two topics that I have for today. And I don't know Leo or anybody else if they want to discuss or have questions about something else. If not, we will call it a day. I'd like to just when you're targeting, let's say you're making the offer within a company, it depends upon who's going to be your prime audience. The financial guy is going to be concerned with ROI, but the guy out on the shop floor is looking to save labor or some kind of resource. Yes, yes. I, I, hopefully, I won't, I'm going to answer your question properly. Yes, when you have a smaller budget and especially a narrow focus, you might focus on your offer on just one buyer. I'd, honestly, at the end of the day, you have to pick one. But for situations where you have multiple buyers and you have the luxury of running multiple campaigns, one thing that I have seen or we have done is that you, you create a specific campaign for the buyer that is worried. For example, if you are selling to the, the uh, person that will, is going to use the product, they want to know if it's a quality, if it's going to you know, be easy to maintain for and, and so forth. It's, they're going to experience the product directly. But if you want to, to have a different campaign just for the, the person that will be in, in charge of the numbers, the return on investment, if the risk of the purchase itself, if there's guarantees or all that, you, you can, in theory, present them a different page with a slightly different information that focus on the, the questions that they have instead of the other one for the maintenance one. So you can do that. Uh, you can split test. But usually, it's the same like we were saying with multiple targets. Even when you might have a, a, a client profile where there are many buyers or many buyer personas, usually there's one that is the most important one for you, right? There's one that is the most important one to you and the other ones will be, in a, they will have the second priority, right? Yeah, very well. That's all that I have for, for today and I'll be happy to see you in our next session then. Thank you. Thank Thank you you very much. Have a great afternoon. You too. Bye-bye. Bye Bye now.